Hi, everyone. Hello, and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about my, your host, Natalie Roach, mixed feelings about various topics, current events, and general things related to the human condition. And here we are. I'm so glad that you're here, whether you are new or returning. I am just tickled pink. All the shades, all the shades of pink. And this is about one month after my last episode. I am still recovering from a concussion and I've decided to do a gradual return to podcasting as I have done a gradual return to work. So I'm going to do once a month for about three months and then I'm going to go bi-weekly I think for three months and then I'm going to try to dive into the old the old weekly schedule and we'll see how that goes. So anyways, thank you so much for uh, for listening. I really appreciate it. And we are going to dive right into our first segment, which is what is going on in the world. Again, my research this week is not that solid um, because it involves Beyonce and Christmas, both of which both have, I would say, equal equal prominence, basically. Equal, equal fame and presence in people's psyche. Beyonce on a yearly basis, Christmas on a only a monthly basis. So maybe, maybe Beyonce is beating on Christmas. So we're just going to give a little, little soundbite here to Beyonce. So she performed at a pre-wedding private event for India's richest man's daughter. So India's richest man has a company that's worth about $130 billion. And at a pre-wedding event, Beyonce performed. I repeated that entire story because I just can't believe that someone has that kind of money. Her private fee, someone posted on Twitter, I'm not sure who it was. Her private fee starts at $2 million. Starts. That basically means if you want Beyonce to stick a perfect, glimmering, shiny leg outside of a curtain for about five seconds via Skype and pull it back in, you're going to be dropping about $2 million. When you see the performance that she put on, and by see, I mean the four-second video clip that I was graced to see, I cannot believe that this person was able to put this on as a pre-wedding event. I mean, just that kind of money is mind-boggling. It's, it's mind-boggling. Congratulations. That's all I have to say. And then second, what's going on in the world is that it is Christmas right now. Now, at the risk of sounding non-inclusive, I did say that it's Christmas right now, not holiday time. But hear me out on this one. I feel as if it is what well, within wait, within the city of wait, I'm going to pause myself right there. I am talking about within the city of Toronto. If I were somewhere else in the world, it would be ridiculous to say, I mean, don't you know it's Christmas time? I mean, hello. If I was in if I was in Jerusalem, it would be kind of ridiculous if I was saying that. Well, maybe not ridiculous. You know, I'm just going to stop before I get myself into more trouble. However, I feel as if in Toronto, to not acknowledge, the, to, to call it holiday time instead of saying let's just say that this is Christmas, is actually insulting to people who celebrate other holidays. It's like, you're not fooling us here. Everything is green and red. There's Santa images everywhere and little elves, holly berries, bells. 
And to say that this is holiday time is like, I don't know, it's like getting a chicken sandwich and someone saying, no, 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 it's actually domestic fowl. It's a domestic fowl sandwich. It's like, no, it's a chicken sandwich. I'm no fool. It's Christmas. You're not fooling me with these holiday-themed cups that have one stripe of pink next to the red and green and the gold stars. I know that this is a Christmas cup, and they only come out in December, and they go away after Boxing Day. Do you, do you kind of know what I mean? It's certainly not, I'm not here to say that we shouldn't be more inclusive. I'm just saying, I think to call it, this is a general generic holiday time is like, I don't exactly see a huge representation here of other colors, of other cultures. I'm seeing a lot of Christmas. I'm seeing a lot of Christmas. So anyways, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm a fan. I am a fan of Christmas, which I celebrate quite obviously. I think many people could have deduced that. So moving into uh, what's going on with me, since uh, that requires next to no research, which is basically what I did on my uh, what's going on with the world segment. And what's going on with me is that I am uh, being a bit of a homebody. I've just been thinking about that, you know, just nesting, just burrowing into my little nest, puffing out my feathers and gathering various little ribbons and straw from around the city to put in my nest. I don't know why I went so far with that analogy. Basically, I'm being I'm being a homebody. But I did uh, get out of that this past weekend, and I went to see the Nutcracker, one of my hol- one of my hol- one of my Christmas traditions is to go with uh, two of my closest friends and we go and see the Nutcracker every year. And it was so amazing. And we went to see it this year when my girlfriend brought her daughter with us. And it was the first, she's she's five, and I apologize, dear friend, if I got her age wrong. And as any child would, she was completely delighted for the first 15 minutes. And then after about an hour was like, um, do we need to stay? Or when does Peppa Pig come on the stage? Is Paw Patrol here? The answer to both of those questions is no. Um, she did great. She was so, so, so well behaved and looked so beautiful in her like little dress. So we had a great time. Um, so I really heartily enjoyed that, getting out of the house. Um, staying in the house, one thing I do want to recommend to people is spring for the good band-aids. In my nesting stage, I uh, mistakenly thought that somehow preheating the oven only made the surrounding air in the oven hot and not the oven racks. And for some reason felt as if I could grab the rack with my bare hands. Pure epidermis, direct contact with 450 degree preheated oven metal rack. Burns on three of my fingers on my left hand. And you know what? I went and sprung for a friggin' thirteen and a half dollar box of band aids variety pack from Shoppers Drug Mart and was aghast at the price. But I have to say, I mean, these things—I got the ones that are like skin flex, designed to move with your hand and twenty-four hour protection. I mean, way to go, Johnson and Johnson. Holler at me if you want to sponsor me. But it was a—it uh, was a good decision. Spring for the good band-aids. Don't go exact. Don't go you know, elastoplast. 
Go Johnson and Johnson. Go Band-Aid. You know? I'm impressed. Um, another thing, I had an unfortunate encounter with Blaze Pizza. That's right. I'm just going to just throw, throw a little praise and throw a little shade. And Blaze Pizza mistakenly charged my credit card five times. I attempted to buy a gift card on their online website. And they kept telling me that I got my address wrong, so I tried five times to enter correctly and kept getting this error message. And then, lo and behold, I got no gift card. Lo and behold, on Monday, they actually charged my credit card five times. And so I sent them an urgent, pointed email on Sunday and said, if this is not resolved by Tuesday, I will be escalating this issue. Now, I don't know who I had planned to actually escalate that to, but I... I was going to escalate it. And you know what I did today? I friggin' Sherlock homed the heck out of the internet. And I found out who the CEO of Blaze Pizza is. And I figured out what the generic ending of Blaze Pizza emails is. And I emailed the CEO of Blaze Pizza. He like knows LeBron James. And I emailed him. And he himself did not get back to me, but I'm going to read you an email that I received from Rahiel Dawit. Hi, Natalie. Jim sent me your email to follow up regarding your gift card orders. We are so sorry you experienced that issue when purchasing gift cards. Boom. Jim forwarded me your email, meaning I got Jim's email right, meaning that the CEO of Blaze Pizza read my email and took it seriously. Getting shit done. Don't take things lying down. When you say you're going to escalate it, follow through. You escalate it. You know what to do. And if you don't, Google does. I was proud of myself. Moving on from being self-congratulatory, we're going to move into the topic for the week, which is... Bum, ba, da, bum. transitions. Now, I now I want to be really clear. I'm talking about emotional transitions. I am not talking about. I will not be talking in the segment about gender transitions. That is not a subject that I feel well versed in in the slightest enough to talk about with any degree of uh, intelligence. Not with any degree of intelligence, but you know, it's uh, just not what I'm going to be discussing. Transitions. I just finished a book by William Bridges, and it was 180 pages, but it was a nonfiction, so for me it basically felt like 650. And he talks about changes are situational. Transitions are the emotional process that we have to go through to deal with change effectively, and we often don't. And he makes the argument in this book that one of the main reasons why we don't handle change effectively is because we've lost much of our rituals. We don't have rite of passage rituals anymore. We don't have these ways of marking changes in, in any kind of official way. So we often find ourselves not moving effectively into the next thing because we haven't had this kind of ritualistic ending to the previous thing. And I thought it was a, an interesting point. And he says, transitions involve three things. So transitions always involve an ending, a neutral zone, and then a new beginning. So for, and I really thought that was cool, like for any new beginning, something has ended. 
And when that something has ended, like there is always a neutral zone. Like let's say you start a new job, right? That means your previous job has ended. And even though you might not have given yourself any transition time, there is still going to be a neutral job. There, sorry, a neutral job. There's still going to be a neutral zone where you're not in your old job anymore, but you don't feel at home and at place in your new job. And you're in this neutral zone. And I just thought it was really cool that he just said all of these stages are necessary. It's not that the neutral zone is bad and it's not that endings are always um, sad. Sometimes endings can be really good. It means you're totally ready for the next thing, but you need all three and you need to recognize all three in order to make that new beginning really quote unquote stick. And it really kind of got me thinking and he talks about the neutral zone and I actually wrote down one of the thing and he says, um, da, 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 da. what does he say here? I wrote down a quote. Oh, I'm going to be able to find it. Oh, he talks about in the neutral zone, you're going to experience disorientation. And he said, disorientation is meaningful. It doesn't mean it's enjoyable. It is a time of confusion and emptiness. Before we can find a new something, we must deal with a time of nothingness. Have faith in this process. You do not need to make the distress comfortable. I thought that was really interesting. Like that distress and that nothingness is actually useful because it's helping you transition out of the old thing and into the new thing. You can't just jump. You have to be in that period. And he likens it a lot to seasons. Like there's a fall and then there has to be a winter. And then there's a spring. You can't just go from fall to spring. You have to have a winter, that like neutral zone, that time of emptiness and confusion. And it might seem like it's nothing and you feel disoriented and you feel weird, but important stuff is actually happening. And I thought that was really interesting. And he talks about the importance of timeouts in a neutral zone. And he said, timeouts during neutral zones are meant to be a moratorium from the conventional activity of your everyday existence. The activities of your ordinary life keep you, quote unquote, you by presenting you with a set of signals that are difficult to respond to in any but the old way. Only in the apparently aimless activity of your time alone can you do the important inner business of self-transformation. You don't do it per se, but you have attentive inactivity. And what he's talking about there is that you don't like you're not going to necessarily do this emotional deep dive if you in a neutral zone time, like let's say between that, those two jobs, right? Let's say you say, you know, I'm going to go to a cottage by myself. You might say, well, I didn't really do anything. I just made myself coffees every day and went out and sat on the dock and like looked at the water. And sometimes I wrote in my journal and went for walks, but you actually are doing something because you're allowing yourself to transition that attentive inactivity is so important. You're allowing yourself to have a winter. You're preparing yourself for the new beginning, for spring. And I just thought that was really cool. So I would love to know what you think about transitions. What has your experience been in some of the winters of your life? Did you ever feel like spring would never come? Do you feel that there is a need for winter? Are you a perpetual spring and summer kind of a person? I would love to know. I would love to know. 
Um, and that brings us to the listener question part of the program. And this question comes to us from someone. I'm going to give them a fake name. This question comes to us. Oh, the subject line is not make want to vomit. I don't know what that means. We are going to call this person something with dignity. Montgomery. And Montgomery asks, should parents or other adults be able to ban books from schools and libraries? What kinds of books should they be reading? That is a very interesting question, Montgomery. Um, I... I think no, and the only reason I hesitated is because I wanted to scream yes, and then I thought, okay, but would I want my child to have access to Mein Kampf, you know, Hitler's autobiography? I don't think so. But then you open up the door to censor other things. So I don't think that people should be able to ban books from schools and libraries. What I think that you should have is very conscientious, sorry, very conscientious um, very conscientious education, both formal and informal around, books that might be more provocative. So that would involve making sure that all staff at the library are aware of what books might be more provocative and that staff are prepared to have, you know, conversations when students are taking out books like oh do you know what this book's about or you know what makes you want like what you know makes you interested in this book or I'd be happy to talk about with you as your process is going on and all this kind of stuff I think that we should move towards open like just completely transparent open education and being conscientious like I don't think that abstinence or banning is a healthy educational strategy. I just don't. I think we've seen that time and again. So I'm a fan of more information and just having education and support and willingness to have conversations with students when they are taking out more provocative reading material. And in terms of what kinds of books they should be reading, ones that make them want to read. Kids should be reading books that make them want to read. When I was in high school, I did not want to be reading Twelfth Night. Blah, blah, blah. It was like sawdust. Saw dust. I wanted to read like friggin' true crime books. I still want to read true crime. I have a problem with true crime. Like this can be verified by my partner. I listened to seven parts of a special podcast series on the Paul Bernardo trial in less than 24 hours. That qualifies as a problem. Anyways, if like I, if I was reading true, talk about like needing to have a friggin' conversation with a librarian. So what makes you interested in this book, dear? Anyways, moving right along. I did read a book about Pop and Arda when I was 11. Totally inappropriate. My mom didn't know that I was doing it. Moving along. Maybe we should ban books. But 
I think the kids should just be reading things that make them want to read, that don't make, doesn't make reading a chore, that doesn't make it something that's like, oh, God. So I don't, like, and what that is is going to change for everyone. If that's graphic novels, fantastic. If that's, you know, trilogy sets of teen drama, like, with supernatural elements like Twilight, great. Like, just whatever makes you want to read. Whatever makes you want to read. Thank you so much for the question, uh, Montgomery. That was fantastic. And I just want to say I would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, uh, please send them to allmymixedfeelings at gmail.com. That is spelled exactly how it sounds, allmymixedfeelings at gmail.com. I can't spell it out because I'm underneath a down blanket right now, and that in addition to this concussion, I will not be able to spell that. Allmymixedfeelings at gmail.com. I would be happy to hear from you. And get your tips on how to spell things out loud. And that brings us to the... Actually, I really like that question, Montgomery. Thank you so much. Um, that brings us to the funny anecdote slash observations portion of the podcast. Just some quick hits this week. Um, I was wondering this week as I was changing at the gym... How the hell do you get deodorant marks? Have you ever been putting on a shirt and been so... This is more to the ladies, I guess... Maybe the, yeah, maybe the dudes been so careful, like so careful, like the acrobatics and like shirt folding up techniques that you are doing, body caving in contortions that you are doing to not get deodorant marks. You pull that thing down and there they are, white stripes on the side of your shirt. What, like how, how, where do they come from? Where do they come from? So annoying. Just a little thing. Um, and I also wanted to say just, uh, kind of an observation, just some, like an observation slash recommendation. If you have a super long day, like let's say you've got work and then you're meeting friends for dinner and then you have to, or before you meet them for dinner, you have to pick up something after work. Basically, you're not going to be home for quite some time. Consider bringing a change of socks. Game changer game changer. I am telling you, when I have super long days, I pack a, a fresh, crisp pair of socks in my bag. I pop those babies on at like 4.30. New woman. New lease on life. It's amazing. One time I bought a new pair of socks at J. Crew. It was like the gates of heaven opened up. It was amazing. I treated myself to those and it was fantastic. It was worth every every penny. And then there was a lot of pennies because it was J. Crew and they weren't on sale and it wasn't the outlet. And I did it. So those are my uh, those are my observations. Those are my observations about life. Change of socks and deodorant marks. Um, and that brings us to the final portion of the podcast, which is a recommendation for the week. And I am going to recommend that people follow at, it's at symbol, of, oh my god, I'm such a loser. It's at Kevy Kodra on Twitter. So it's at, at symbol, everyone. K-E-V as in Victor, I-K-O-D as in dad, R-A on Twitter, Kevy Kodra. His... Cosmetic artistry is friggin' legendary. It gives me such a boost. I get so excited when he posts his new pictures of how he's done his face. It is, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling what that, like, what that man can do with 
like things that I allegedly have available to me as well at Sephora. Like I, I just, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Like it fills me with both awe and shame when I look at my dusty little bag of Maybelline and two-year-old bronzer. Like it's just, it's so delightful. Just please follow him on Twitter. He's so fantastic. At Kevy Kodra, uh, just for a little lift. And that is that. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks for all the support. Please send any questions, comments. Um, I'd really appreciate it to all my mixed feelings at gmail.com. And that's that. Stay mixed up. Bye.